Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Hey everybody, you're listening to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you have may, may have missed in theaters and are now available on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and view a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks. JJ and I watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today we're looking at Little Sister. This was Andy's pick from September 8th, 2016. 
Today is September 12th, 2017, and Little Sister is available for streaming on Netflix. Before we go any further, you should check out our ever-expanding back catalog for this show and its sibling shows over at thenextreel.com. If you've stumbled upon us, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And whether you've just found us or have been listening for a while, you can be part of our community. Supporting us as a patron on patreon.com slash thenextreel gets you into our Slack group where there's always a fun conversation about films. We've been talking about uh, Brian De Palma, have some interesting conversations about where he sort of fits in as a filmmaker. And as a Patreon patron, you also get exclusive access to our weekly Saturday matinee episodes, the new home of trailer picks and discussions of weekly film news and lists. And we love our lists. And he's always coming up with some fun little rules to constrain these lists to keep them from booming out into like 20 films. That's good. So Andy picked this little indie goth drama. Uh, and the trailer, he said, had a quirky indie vibe, and it was the characters in the trailer that drew him in, and he said it looked just like a fun little character film, that he liked the vibe and hoped that the film continued with that. So indie goth drama. Yes. I, I don't know that I'd call it an indie goth drama, I, I, but I guess that's what you would characterize it as. I, I, in Flick Chart, it actually characterizes it as a comedy, which... <laughs> I definitely did not laugh. I'll say that right right up front. It wasn't a laugh movie for me. But that being said, the it was a powerful movie for me. uh, In that it was kind of like a very subjective. Subjective is where I want to go with this. A subjective poem where it felt like it was making uh, sort of statements about family and personal interpersonal dynamics, and then personal choices and then was allowing people in the audience to kind of go with it. And I can see where that it this movie could be flat for a lot of people, but for me it turned out to be really really powerful in that everything every statement that the film attempted to make for me was very subtle but had very deep meaning for me in terms of recovery, in terms of dysfunction, in terms of uh, turning your life around through dysfunction and uh, had a lot to do with enduring things through life. So there was a really big sort of meta statement to the whole film for me that I didn't expect to get, and I don't think you, any everyone will get from watching it. That being said, what I compare it to is something like a cross between like Garden State, for example. Okay. Uh, yeah. Garden State, but then with the kind of heavier, well, and maybe, I mean, it depends on your personal experience, but I consider the heavier sort of drama of something like Rachel getting married, right? So it's it's all, the, the it's a film really about people and personal relationships, and it's really deep and dark, and I didn't find it funny, but I did find it uh, effective, and so so I I kind of dug it for those reasons. So it's interesting because I I did enjoy Garden State and and Rachel getting married, and as I was sort of mulling this one over and looking at sort of the family drama and the and the sort of trauma that the family has been subjected to, I thought. JJ's going to connect this one on some level that I'm not because of, and I go you back to, you know, demolition and just right. how that strongly that film resonated with you. And I knew there were probably going to be pieces of this film that were going to really play to that connection that you have with those films. Because for me, I just didn't get what it was trying to say. And I That's see fair. there were, there were what I felt like sort of stalled, efforts to get things going but it just doesn't come all together at the end and i see that there's starts of stories but either they sort of just 
fall apart or they don't resolve or in some ways I felt like the writer didn't know what they wanted to say so there was no end point to sort of the the argument of this the arc of the story because you've got all of these characters you've got we start with Colleen we start off with her big life decision of whether or not she's going to commit to being a nun or not and take her final vows and so she goes home so what I'm expecting out of her story is some type of epiphany of whether or not to go through with this major decision that's going to impact her life and the way she's going to live her life and that she would come back home and find something either in her family or in herself through revisiting her home about who she is that was going to help her make that decision and i didn't see that there and then you've got her brother who's back from the war and he's you know burned and his you know trying to reintegrate into society and, and connect back with his his girlfriend and i wasn't quite sure what point was trying to be made with that we're set in 2008 so it's right before the 2008 election and obama so why set it at this point is there something crucial about that time frame that is important to his story i, I didn't see that and then you've got you know colleen's parents and the nature of their role as parents or the way that they parent their kids and was there something to be made of that because there is this big long you know, scene at the end between Colleen and her mom, and I just didn't didn't connect with that or see how that was giving me any resolution to their their story. Well, I definitely agree that there's not resolution. Okay, but I think that's that's kind of actually, I feel like that's the intent of the film that it really feels like this sort of a Buddhist film poem about the fact that life is suffering and we do the best that we can to minimize the suffering as we go on. It, it, the interesting thing about the setting of the, the political debate and the parents' drug use and the kids' choices, you know, the Jacob's choice to go to the war and, uh, and Colleen's choice to go to the convent seem really interesting statements about what people think is good and bad in the world. And, you know, whatever your beliefs politically, whatever your beliefs are about drug use, they're, whatever your beliefs are about uh, even, they talk about virginity quite a bit in the film sure, too. Yeah. As it, there, are, there are equal and opposite pressures on either side of each of those three particular issues, I guess, that I'm thinking of right now, that say that one is good and one is bad. And the, I think kind of the, interesting irony of the film is that you have these parent characters who are drug users but are constantly asking or well not constantly but in the scene that you mentioned uh, Ali Sheedy comes forth and says was I a good mom or am I a good mom and we see her the stuff she does in this movie I'm laughing now I didn't laugh when I watched the movie <laughs> she drugged her family in an effort <laughs> to share a ha Halloween party, and so I'm you have pretty to clarify square. What, I, I'm you, kind you of have to clarify what kind of drugs she when she drugs her family. That it's what like hallucinogens or something like that. Right? Well, she She's starts not, with pot. She oh, starts, that's right. She does with pot. Okay. Starts with and and <laughs> for the sake of this conversation, I'll say she, she starts with simple pot, <laughs> but she moves on to something that is undescribed, but it's a hallucinogen that it, evidenced by what happens in the film, and it's played to effect that is, I guess, potentially comedic, but. For me, it was a tragedy. I mean, honestly, really watching, sure, yeah. it was a tragedy. And then for to have that scene that you're talking about, again, totally does not provide a resolution. I agree with you 100%. 
the the beauty for me or the part that I bought into was the acceptance of reality without resolution. And that is a difficult thing for a lot of people to come to. So I wouldn't expect everyone to like it, but that's kind of where you're set in a movie with like Rachel getting married too, where the heaviness of life continues and we figure out our way to get through it. That's what I took away from that scene. I didn't really feel like they were bonding, even though on the face they were um, good and bad Everybody is good and bad in this movie, and I don't end up hating anyone, even when they're all being terribly tragic. Dear Sweet Pea, I don't know if you're reading my emails or not, but this is the only way I know how to get in touch with you. Jacob has finally been released from the hospital in Texas and is home with your dad and I. Please, if you can come visit, let me know. Your room is the same way you left it. There's a warm, familiar bed waiting for you. Love, Mom. Hi, Mom. Oh, you're home. Oh, you're home. Barely recognize you without all the, you know, the Marilyn Manson stuff on your face. (laughs) Everybody's talking about your brother. His whole face, huh? Welcome home. How often do our parents smoke pot? All the time. Giving me some things to think about here. Okay. Which is good. So yeah, I guess let's let's focus on what worked well. Cause you're, gotcha. you're starting to pull me into this and, and thinking about and framing it a little bit differently. I like this idea of of acceptance, of you know, maybe it isn't the grand epiphany that there's an answer, but it's the acceptance of, well, this is the reality that I'm given and I I have to learn to live with that. And I guess that takes me back to there's a scene uh, with Colleen and her mom. And they're 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 arguing, and and her mom just basically you know is getting on her case and said you know basically you you ran away instead of facing your problems you're running away to the convent to hide from everything whereas I, and I'm thinking yeah and you're using drugs to run away from your problems as right. well um, ah. and I guess that's you know sort of that statement of well yeah you you're gonna have to both of them have to face it and they may not like it but do they learn to just accept that this is the life that they have and it may not be the life that they wanted you know that's definitely not she's ali sheedy's not the mom she wanted to be right and she you know her daughter she tells her daughter colleen you know i'm, I'm disappointed in you she that's she, you're not the daughter yeah. that, that she wanted but yes. maybe they do come to accept that and okay. colleen says almost nothing in that entire scene right. the yes. only thing she says that's really tangible is you have to put away the knife, which I think is fantastic. But I think, isn't it interesting that first thing that you mentioned, like objectively, we look at the fact that she's going to the convent as trying to recover from dysfunction. Now, again, that's objective. But then you have this Ali Sheedy character who's mired in drugs and running away from her own problems and then accusing her of running away from the pain of the family as opposed to leaning into it. It's just, for me talking about recovery and talking about ways to fix the the wrongs of the world it's it's really interesting people's perception there's a song that comes to mind when we're having this conversation it's by Edie Brickell it's called lost in the moment and the idea she sings over and over lost in the moment of what what they need and it, and the interest one of the things that i think really works well in this moment is that every character is completely lost in the moment of what they need and they are not they can't focus on other people's needs and how other people are going about getting their needs met. Um, and that's the kind of good and evil thing that, that stuck with me or that was effective to me as I was kind of watching this thing play out. 
looking at it from that perspective of because what works for me there there are a lot of moments between the characters and just those human moments and interactions with each other and i think of when colleen and jacob go on their walk in the woods and it's yeah. sort of like that she it's her she's trying to connect with him and get him out of the house so it's really the first time we see him outside he's just secluded himself now so he does not want to be outside he doesn't want to interact and it's just the two of them talking and it starts off with her asking about you know how long their parents have smoked pot and he basically said well probably always and Forever. maybe they you know they sort of cut back when you know the kids were born but now it's you know back on track and it's something that <laughs> Colleen's struggling with That's of too. like seeing her parents and but then she starts telling stories about what it is she's been doing and yeah you know it which gets her to sh- open up and share and it there was something about the performances there uh and I'm going to mention that so Colleen is played by Addison Timlin who we've seen before in Odd Thomas as Stormy and as I as you recall when we discussed that film it was sort of like she was sort of pretty dressing on the film but didn't bring a whole lot to the the film, whereas here she's to me carrying this film. She's got the back. weight of the film. I, I take my odd Thomas assessment back because she was fantastic in this movie, and yeah. she was perfectly cast. I mean, to be inward and introspective, and she did it. I mean, yeah, yeah. That scene that you were talking about before with the argument with the knife and with the mom, she said nothing, but I was with her the whole way. I, I, I was a big fan of hers in this movie. Yeah. So I think it's as I think back, you know, and going over my notes, there are. There are moments of sort of humanity in here that that work really well, and I guess I was trying to find the the context or the reason for the bigger story. But if I look at just these moments, I mean, there are, there are those fine moments there, but I'm expecting some payoff to those in there. And th- there are some laughs, you know. There there are those comic moments, and the two things that that did me, I think, the biggest laugh for me was when Colleen first gets home. And she's uh, at the house and her brother's two friends show up and they're just surprised. They don't recognize her because she's not the goth girl anymore. Um, They're like, where's all the Marilyn Manson stuff? So, you know, they see that she sort of cleaned herself up and looks like a normal human being. The next time they come back is shortly after (laughs) she has made her attempt to really reconnect with her brother. So she's gone. She's dyed her hair pink. She has put on a performance of think something that they did together as kids which is like singing along to a guar song with a oh, that was guar baby yes with a baby and there's blood so then when the friends come back she's like covered in some blood and dismembered baby and pink hair and goth makeup and <laughs> sort of like what happened uh which was a nice laugh for me uh with with that, so there are those those moments. Of, I didn't laugh there, but I did laugh at the monsters line after walking in the woods. In the woods, in the when two the guy, of... the kid sees them <laughs> yes. and asks them if they're monsters, and they look at each other and they said, "Yes, that that I did." Yes, laugh. and I thought about that as far as is there some bigger statement there? Oh, about is it just yes? There, it's the funny attempt to to scare a kid as as teenagers or well young young adults at this point that are trying to reconnect with their youth. So that just yes, we're we're, we're monsters, and then she hisses at him. But is that something that they sort of? Because I can see how Jacob feels that about himself. Yes, at because that point. he's terribly disfigured. I don't think we he's terribly that disfigured. Yes, I mean just burned all he's, over he's his Deadpool, body, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean he can't even laugh because of the scarring and his his lungs. He has trouble <sighs> breathing. And then you know Colleen sort of is this this misfit of trying to. I think she's trying to figure out who she is, whether she's going to 
connect with her brother, you know, with the family, try to resolve that, the nun thing. Um, so I thought, yeah, maybe there is something to that of they are misfits. They don't fit in. Right. And maybe they do feel a little monstrous at that point of not really fitting into what should be home for them. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, and that's a piece of it too, really is where you belong and, and, and do you actually belong? Right. I, 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 I agree with all that. I think, I think there's, there's moments of humanness in all of that throughout this film. And I think that's something that I liked, but I totally understand the lack of tangible story direction when you're going through that. It definitely wasn't that kind of movie. For me, those are the things that worked well. Okay. I have a lot more that I have issues with that I've sort of gotten into. Okay. But I want to give you time to to really defend this if there's anything else that you Great. really want to highlight. You know, if someone's coming to this, what are they really expecting or, or what's going to work well? Because if, if you've given me this context to say, hey, it's this film, but it's about sort of these moments and not coming to resolution but sort of the acceptance of of life i may have walked into this a little bit differently with some different expectations so i want to give you your chance to make your case about how this film works and i want you to ask me those questions but first i want to talk about what i think didn't work too and it's from a technical aspect because if you compare this to what we watched last month with the experimenter the experimenter was a technically artistic film and this film in particular little sister i didn't feel that way about in particular i I felt like a lot of the choices that they did artistically were kind of um they didn't feel inspired to me one of the pieces was the handheld camera use the time that i noticed it the most is really early in the film when colleen comes back from the convent it was it was distracting. It, it, it was following her in a third-person omniscient, very far away from her, and it was just moving such a, in such a jerky fashion that I was I was uncomfortable. I didn't understand the purpose yeah. of it. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, I started guessing at what the purpose was. I started thinking maybe it's because she's nervous coming home. I I don't know. It, it it was really odd, and it took me out of the film. And similarly, in a lot of the other sort of technical choices that I saw going through the film, I didn't find any sort of artistic inspiration. All the uh, art, art that I find in this film is really from um, the story and the dialogue and what's presented from the characters. I didn't find that from from the filmmaking aspect of this movie, which is unfortunate. But so that being said, I want to hear your questions because it seems like your questions are a lot more about those potential story holes. So uh, fire away. Okay. So as I said, I I felt like this film didn't have a direction or when I get to the end, I just felt like a lot of these events are unearned. So I've got, you know, this emotional journey I'm expecting to make with Colleen. And I don't get that. I don't really understand why she makes the decision. Well, she makes the decision, but I don't think anything in the film has given me any clue as to why she's making that decision. She's, you know, already asked for additional time. She's borrowed the car. She's, you know, somebody's supposed to go take the orphans someplace and they can't because she's got the car. So there's clearly some pressure on her to make this decision. But at that point, she, she was given five days. It's like she's four or five days in and she still can't decide. After all the drugs and the Halloween party and some other climactic events, you know, Clearly, she's made a decision. We see that, but I don't see the turn for her, so, so I don't know. So that that begs the question. So as yeah. you were watching, did you feel like the decision was ever hard for her to make? Well, I and I guess that's that's where I'm stuck because I I don't know. 
Because I, for me, so here's so so yeah. my take on it, and I think this is different, is that when she comes back home initially, so the complicating incident, how they start us out with the film, is mom sending a message saying brother's home from the war and he's been hurt, he's terribly disfigured. We could re- he could really use your help, right? So she becomes obligated to come back, even even after she's made this life decision to be at the convent. And as she comes back, the the way that I sort of envision it is this is her. The stuff that she has been running away from in her life, the dysfunction of her parents and the difficulty at home, her difficult youth, really, that she's reminded of at every turn, um, she's been, been brought back to this. And I don't feel like she wants to go back. I don't think she actually wants to fit in. I think the only reason why she actually makes the turn to go goth again is to connect with her brother and to try to pull sure. her brother yeah. out of the hole. In general, I think what she learns at every turn at every piece of drama that this film puts together is that her choice was actually her choice to leave and her choice to join the convent was actually more disciplined and better for her life. Um, and I find each sort of fight that she has or each, each dramatic turn with anyone in her family or anyone in the community only works to cement her decision more that it was the right thing to leave. What about, and we only get little bits and pieces. There's like the, it's at, at the beginning and then we see it only there at the end is her friend that's sort of got the performance art yeah thing that's going on i have no idea how that ties into it's like she gets to be a nun but she can still be the sort of quirky oddball i yeah. mean i it didn't do much for me i didn't see how it fit into anything it didn't it just sort of felt like slapped in there it, at the beginning of the movie I, I felt like okay i'm like 10 minutes in and i've got you know colleen in these different situations and i have no idea what her story is or what her conflict is and by the time we get to that i'm thinking okay it was maybe to establish that she's not fully committed to becoming a nun so then by, at the end i'm surprised that she's back connected with those people because clearly the decision to be a nun, what is it that she really had to sacrifice? And I guess that's what I was looking for of, you have to make a choice sacrificing one thing for another. And I felt like other than going home and maybe realizing that, yes, she was going to try to reconnect with her brother. She made that decision. But for me, if there's a, if the setup of a whole story is you need time to go make a decision, then to me, the story should be about the conflict of whether or not, you know, what she's going to choose. And so I just didn't get that. Yeah. And I, I, I guess for me, the friend represents the fact that she's going to be an outcast wherever she goes. Um, okay. And, and that it's okay to be an outcast wherever she goes because joining the convent wasn't about becoming someone different. It was about finding a path of safety and recovery from the dysfunction that is her family. So okay. it, yeah. So it's interesting because um, that 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 pivotal decision point that you're talking about about how she was given her five days to go away yeah. and make up her mind. I always felt like that was the uh, opinion of her friend in the convent, yeah. but that wasn't her opinion. Her opinion was that she was going back to kind of close the door on old demons. And there's so much d- demon symbolism in this film, <laughs> oh, right? Well, yes. And monsters oh, yeah. and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you're bringing up yeah. stuff for me when you say um, that whether that scene about them being monsters was a little bit yeah. deeper. I didn't consider that. But then when they surround this with Halloween as well, right? Um, and, and 9-11 at the beginning, right? We just watched yeah. this. I watched it on Sunday night, which was right, September yeah. 10th. Um, there was a lot about our place in the world and you know if 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 we are monsters i don't know there, there's there's a lot that could be read into it if if you wanted to go that deep i don't know that i got there though part of the conflict with 
Jacob is that he's got this girlfriend, but he he's really distant from her. So we've got, you know, she hangs around the house. She's connected with the family. But, you know, Jacob, I think there's just this anxiety about his physical appearance. and So he's not being intimate with his girlfriend. It's really awkward for him. So clearly she there's this widening gap between the two of them, which is magically resolved by a trip to the hospital. And suddenly now that's fixed everything and they can get married at the end of the movie. So you actually felt that it was resolved or that they were trying to say that it was? If they're getting married, I mean, I guess I could be the cynic and say, well, they've just decided to, that because that's what they're supposed to. But in a film, when you have that, a, a marriage is usually representative of, okay, two people are coming together and it's a happy event. It's not just sort of a cynical, well, this is what we're supposed to do as a couple. Yeah. So I, I took that as, you know, cause she's, she goes to, cause he gets, you know, kidnapped by his friends. And so she's off oh, to save him. Terrifying. And then, yeah. you know, he has, you know, the whole incident with, he can't breathe. Um, and she's there to save him or rescue him. And to me, is that, is that enough to redeem that relationship? No, I just definitely no. not. Yeah, But that's why I go back to my piece about acceptance, because none of this is resolved for me in watching the film, and yet it's a whole bunch of people just trying to do the best with what they had. Yeah. So... Uh, and then, all right, you can keep you can keep singing that song. Well, it's just I, that's uh, where the movie hit for me. And again, yeah. that last shot yeah. of the of the the still, I think it was a still frame uh, of the uh, when they t- reverse the camera uh, at the wedding, and you see everyone celebrating, and you see how happy Colleen is. Yeah, um, you could you could probably make the argument that everyone else settled, and she really found her joy. Yeah, if you follow her through line. Uh, through how she deals with everything. So potentially that might be the beauty in the situation there. But again, I I think you could make probably the equal and opposite argument for any of the characters in the film. I I may give it a second viewing through that lens. Okay. It may bring me around. And again, I I think, yes, I agree there's some flaws. You know, there's some technical issues. And I think, uh, you know, that's where I say the indie, you know, part of it comes through where I think, yeah, the focus is probably a lot more on the story and the character rather than the technical aspects. Yeah. So I think maybe given your filter that you're looking at this through, I'll consider rewatching this again to see sort of how how that changes my, my evaluation of it. I'm pretty cynical right now. I'm pretty cynical. Yes. And that's we'll why see. I see the beauty in it really in the acceptance <laughs> of the dysfunction and just moving on, right? That's, okay. That's kind of why I took it that way. All right, so... You enjoy this movie. Where did it end up on your flick chart? So interesting place, uh, you know, talking about it. It's in the top half uh, for sure. Um, it, it jumped up because I because it was emotionally effective for me. So it went uh, high. It's 74 out of 157 for me, just below Moneyball, which again is, you know, it's a story-driven film really for the most part there. And then just above uh, The History of Future Folk. Uh, actually. So uh, right in there. And I actually think that they're pretty similar movies in the way that they affect me emotionally. Um, Everyone should go see History of Future Folk if you haven't. That was our first trailer rewind, wasn't it? Yes. The first one you ever did. The first one I ever did. It was, yeah, sort of the blog only. And that's what sort of launched this whole thing was, hey, Pete and Andy talked about this movie. I wonder if it's any good. And oh my gosh, this movie's amazing. People need to see this. How can I tell people they need to go see this movie that has been overlooked by everyone? It's super good. So that that's the thing that launched launched the rewind. There you go. So how about for yeah. you? Oh, so it's it's low. Okay. It's low. It is uh, 239 out of 273. Okay. So now 
it got condemned at the bottom half because Get Out is still sort of my my break point yep. there. Mine split. First, just okay. so you know. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay. But so it came in an interesting spot. So it came in just above Night Moves, which is Kelly Reichardt's film. I watched that when Pete and Andy were doing their Kelly Reichardt series. Okay. Which is an interesting film. It's a little indie sort of thriller that there was actually a lawsuit involved because the story was very similar to the monkey wrench gang um so i think they they settled out of court on that one um sort of a a dark little quiet indie film and then it's so it's above that and just below safety not guaranteed which is colin trevorrow's film that was sort of that quirky comedy that was based on that mysterious classified ad about you know time travel and safety oh. not guaranteed will you come with me um so it's so in the low quirky location it's in the low quirky now we'll we'll see if on a you know another viewing if it if it moves up out of that, <laughs> out of that well area. and but if for you me, if you think about it in the terms of Garden State or Rachel getting married, yeah, when you're watching it, I think you might have a different little bit, a little bit of a different take on it. But Garden State is so much lighter and more fun than this. That's I, fair. I, okay. That's fair. Well, this so, is trying to do that. It's, it's probably it's inferior trying, yeah. to that. But the whole so, concept of yelling into a big hole because your mom is dead well, is yes. very similar to accepting that there's nothing you can do about your parents' drug use and your terribly disfigured brother marrying a woman and yeah. hoping for the best. <laughs> right? Uh, no, right. I don't know. That's, yeah. <laughs> so That's where I that sat rating, on it. <laughs> with, that, with that low rating, it came in as a two-star film for me. Two. Okay, so I'm three and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, it's definitely over half for me. Um, yeah. I, I liked it at three and a half because I'm, I'm really happy it was made and I'm really happy to watch it. That being said, I'd also like to say that if these other movies that we're talking about here, if you do like those kind of movies, this would be a good one to pick up on Netflix and compare it to a little bit and get that sort of dramedy aspect because some of the stuff might be funny for you, uh, but it's definitely got the heavy points to it too. Well, and we've got Halloween just around the corner coming up in the next few weeks. So this might be something, don't drug your family to watch this movie. No, but definitely might be. No, for any reason. (laughs) Don't ever drug your family. That is tragic. Might be the good... Might be a good, you know, time to, to watch it sort of in in the mood for a, a quirky family horror experience. Right. Okay. Ali Sheedy, what a perfect cast, Ali Sheedy, by yes. the way. Yeah, I was That's wondering if Ali Sheedy was sort of playing her, you know, sort of <laughs> character from The Breakfast Club as a mom. Grown up. She, grown That's up because she just, just didn't want to, you know, didn't really want to be a mom. Yeah. Didn't seem like it was all, it was cut out to be for her. So perfect. Well, JJ, here at the next reel, we say that when the movie ends, the conversation begins, and I've enjoyed our little talk about Little Sister, but now that this conversation's ending, it's time to start watching another movie. So what have you got coming up next? Well, today is, is we're in mid-September. Next week is the big, uh, or no, it's two weeks away. Two weeks away is Kingsman, the sequel. Yes. And the same weekend is the Lego Ninjago movie. So with my five-year-old and eight-year-old, I will be doing one of those with them and the other one by myself. I got to do both of them in opening weekend. So that's oh, wow. where that's I'm a busy, yeah. headed towards for my next ones. How about you? Andy and I have a, an appointment on Friday to go see Brazil. Oh, you're doing it. That's great. The, we're do, going to see that at the Alamo Draft House out here in Phoenix. They're going to screen, I believe it's the director's cut, which I, I have not seen Brazil in a long, long time. So Andy's really favorite looking. movie. Yes. So I, I figured I got to see it with the, the number one fanboy. Yep. So that's what's next on my list. Cool. Well, everyone out there, if you haven't already, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps other film fans discover us. And we hope that you will help other people discover us because there's nothing more through 
thrilling than discovering a group of like-minded fans online. It's like finding a new home, mm-hmm. one where you don't have burned brothers and parents that are drugging you. <laughs> And once you found us, follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for assorted film geekery posts during the week. There's always some interesting film news. Today was the big J.J. Abrams announcement that he's going to be directing Star Star Wars 9. But what about that IT box office? $118 Biggest September opening ever. Biggest horror opening ever. Oh, yes. I proud to contribute to that <laughs> no thank you <laughs> oh all right and you could also support us on patreon at patreon.com slash the next reel but the best thing that you can do is go watch a movie with a friend and then sit down and have a good conversation about it just like this yep. exactly it's a film that we've discussed in our show let us know about it we love hearing from you hondo hondo everyone I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.